Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Pear fans. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. Tonight we are discussing demons and demonology. So it's going to be some very interesting stuff. But before we go ahead and get into that, I'm going to kick it off to Justin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at ParatruthRadio.com, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, and Paranormal UK Radio Network, let's get ready to expose some lies. History is riddled with legends of demonic entities causing illness, war, death, possession, and much more. As these stories grew, these demons were given names, then broken into classifications, which were then tied to specific traits. Today, we dive into the hierarchy of demons and demonology. So today is a very interesting topic. We've kind of covered this a little bit here and there over the years, but we've never dived right into demonology nor angelology, which we'll be covering next week. Uh, but nonetheless, this is some very interesting stuff. Um, one thing that is interesting to know or, or good to know offhand is how many different sources have classified demons. Uh, no one source is the same. Some of them have similarities. Some, some of them are vastly different. Uh, so it's hard to say what's real and what isn't, what's useful, what's not, you know, things like that. Um, but nonetheless, Demonology isn't, in my opinion, isn't a factual thing. It isn't official. Uh, it's, it's kind of a historical content. It's, you know, you get to see what people have written. Uh, you get some ideas of what some of these demons do or what they are mm-hmm. or whether or not they actually simply do that stuff is, you know, it, it's up in the air. Um, a lot of these things we're going to discuss today aren't specifically biblical. Uh, the ones that are, I believe, are more easily to understand and perhaps even uh, fully believe in and accept as truth, uh, in my opinion, of course. But nonetheless, majority of demonology is rather secular in a way. Uh, so these are people who have, some of them are Christians or have studied Christian Christianity and a number of other religions and hence have been able to uh, conjure up this type of writing. Uh, and, 
information on these creatures. Nonetheless, a lot of info to get in here today. And I think we're going to go ahead and I'm just going to throw it out to you, Justin, because I know we've got uh, all kinds of information from online and we have information from our books that we have that I know you want to touch on. Uh, is there any of these particular, you know, we have a lot of classifications here, uh, Celis's classification, the Lantern of Lights classification, uh, Spina's classification. Are there any of these classifications that you looked at and just kind of uh, have become familiarized with and perhaps you think are more or less legit along the lines of some of the writing that they have put out there for info? Um, I guess what really surprised me about this stuff was that, uh, in, in the hierarchy and in the one, um, website that I came across and you had mentioned this on one of the sources you came across as well, that there's a mention of Seraphim, Cherubim, Archangels, and Angels in the hierarchy of demons. And... Mm -hmm. At first, it was kind of hard to grasp that because, uh, you know, when you think of archangels, angels, and the classification of angels, you don't think demons because just off the top of your head, you don't think fallen. You you just think angels. So right. um, it, it was interesting to see that. And that's kind of what I kind of looked at a little bit uh, more so than the other stuff. And uh, some of the stuff, I mean, it was kind of way out there as well. But um, one thing that I found fascinating was the one website that I had talked to you about where it mentions some of the names of, of quote-unquote demons. And mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you right off the top was, and it's something that I brought up to you before, was in in the one website it classifies behemoth as the demon of the delights of the belly. Now mm -hmm. it doesn't say that there's a difference between behemoth, the creature that's mentioned in the Bible, and behemoth, the the demon, because behemoth mm -hmm. the demon shows a picture of what looks like a giant elephant with human hands and a belly that's like a guy that's got a huge beer gut. So, right. <laughs> so, um, and the one thing that I had mentioned to you was something I heard on another podcast that, uh, a, a gentleman was talking to the host saying that behemoth, uh, Leviathan. And there was another one that he had mentioned, uh, were actually living demons. So I wanted you to voice your opinion on that, since we had kind of talked about it off air before. Right. Um, you know, well, first and foremost, like I think based on whether or not they're living demonic entities or just demonic entities in, in, uh, in and of itself, uh, it's interesting that some of these things that are mentioned in the Bible, uh, can be referred to as both an actual creature and a demonic like entity or an angelic entity. Uh, so saying that the, you know, saying that there's a behemoth that looks like an elephant, for example, uh, as that one website does, who's to say it's not true? You know, it's possible, but I also truly believe based on the description of the animal in Job 40, 17, uh, that, or, and 
there's more than just Job 40:17. It's Job 40. There's a few different things, but um, you know, Job 40:17 suggests that the uh, tail of the behemoth. It says that the tail of the behemoth is compared to a cedar for its great size. And so when you think of an elephant offhand, you don't think of its tail being like a great cedar, you know. Right. Um, its tails are, rel- are relatively small. Uh, and so offhand, with that alone, I would start to think, okay, this is something more dinosaur-like. Because when you look at creatures such as the brachiosaur or, you know, something like that, the plesiosaur, they all have giant tails uh, that are much like giant cedars. But, you know, there's several different beliefs of what this could be. It could be a dinosaur. It could be an elephant. Uh, it could also be a hippopotamus of some sort. Uh, in verse 19 of Job 40, it says that the hemoth was the chief of the ways of God, which would suggest that it is or was one of the largest, if not the largest, of God's creatures. Uh, and I think it's very specific that Job tells us that this Behemoth is a creature, and perhaps a living creature, uh, and even an animal, uh, as opposed to a demonic entity. However, as we see with the Leviathan, which again, I believe, based on the story in Job, uh, it too is very much a physical creature, perhaps some type of sea monster or a whale even, um, but has also been referenced as Satan. Satan has been called the, the Leviathan, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or a dragon, things like that. So a lot of these have two different meanings. However, in the book of Job, I think they're both very much meant to be a representation of an actual living creature uh, that was an animal that is now deceased, no longer to exist as far as we know. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, it, it's possible, you know. Uh, we see a lot of things, for example, like gluttony. Think of gluttony. There's a demon named gluttony. Now, whether or not that's naturally true or actually true is beyond me because I haven't seen any name of a demon called gluttony in the Bible nor in the Apocrypha. Uh, so a lot of these names are just coming up based on associations with human uh, emotions and desires and things like that. Lust, for example, is considered a demon. Uh, we know that as a, a human desire or emotion as well. Right. So. You know, those are things like that you really have to take into consideration. Well, and you can, I mean, naming demons after these these different, quote-unquote, seven deadly sins, if you will, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't go to say that they can't affect these human uh, emotions or uh, different things of the human nature. But to name them that and just say that's their name, that's what they are, yeah, I I think it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I I would feel that any demon could do that, not just a specific one. Right. So, um, going into the the hierarchy, was there anything any of the the different uh I don't know what you would call it tiers or or whatever of the hierarchy that you found fascinating? The tiers. As, um, like, like the seraphim, the cherubim, or like princes, oh, oh, kings, oh, yeah. that sort of thing. Well, and that's actually something I wanted to comment on, too, because you had mentioned that earlier. Uh, 
regarding how you were surprised that there were these different tiers based on angels, uh, and fallen angels and angels and, uh, the powers and dominions and virtues and the mm-hmm. seraphim and cherubim and thrones and principalities, archangels, angels, uh, etc. Uh, one thing that's interesting and important to note is that when you look at the hierarchy of demons and you look at demonology in general, a lot of this is based off of the original angelology because we have a whole lot more information on angels within the Holy Bible than we do on demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know throughout the scripture, we're constantly told that angels have fallen. There have been angels that have fallen and they're now called demons. Now we know people, uh, both you and I personally know people, but we also know of individuals who believe based on some of this writing too, that demonic entities aren't angels, but in fact have been created. Mm. Perhaps by angels or by, uh, the dead becoming evil somehow, you know, uh, somebody who lived a really bad life or something like that. Some believe uh, and that I think they are actually the, the, um, disembodied spirits of the Nephilim as well. Yeah, that, you know, that's another thing that has been mentioned. Uh, and, and I think it's very rather clear, uh, at least to me it is, that the demons are simply fallen angels. And yes, there are higher and lesser entities but nonetheless they're all angelic uh you know a lot of people really believe in the power of the angel just angel not the archangel not the seraphim or the cherubim you know we're just talking about angels and angels are actually in the lowest tier of the creation of the angelic hosts uh the seraphim being the highest uh but the angels are the most popular and of course they're the most popular because angels have tended to be considered uh, the creatures that attend to mankind, you know, when you pray, they will come to you. They will, you know, hold you. They'll help you through things, you know, stuff like that. They're, they're like the guardian angel, for example, yeah. is a good example of that. Uh, and so angels in general have become the most popularized of the heavenly hosts. Uh, but when, when it comes to the demonic hierarchy, uh, it really, it all is really interesting, but I think the most popular for me is the Seraphim, Cherubim, and Thrones hierarchy because that's where we tend to see uh, some of the most infamous or demonic entities that we've come across over our research in the past, you know, nine years or so. Uh, and then as we get into the second and third hierarchy, we start to see things that are names that are not so popular. Uh so I want, I know you want to go ahead and get into some of these names, some of what they do. Uh, one thing that is important to note is that some of these classifications, in, in this case, for example, uh, Sebastian, I think it's Michaelis, uh, in 1613 wrote a book regarding the hierarchy of angels. And he's not the only one. There are others too who've done this where they'll name and name, uh, a demonic entity, uh, give a description of what that demon is, what it does, and then which of the saints opposes that demonic entity. Uh, And that's important in Roman Catholicism, because in Roman Catholicism, when they're exercising a demon, it's important to know the name of that demon. And the reason it's important to know the name is because there's a specific saint, for example, St. Peter, uh, who opposes that one demon. So in this case, just for example, real quick, Leviathan, is a demon in the first hierarchy of Michaelis's hierarchy of demonic entities, Leviathan is opposed by St. Peter. Therefore, if Leviathan is possessing someone, you'd call on St. Peter. If you were to call on John the Baptist, well, then it had no effect and he wouldn't do anything. Now, of course, this 
is if you believe you can really pray to the saints and call them down, which the Bible is very clear we cannot do and should not do. Only God intervenes, not humankind whatsoever, dead or alive. So, uh, but I know I'm rambling a lot here now talking about this stuff. So <laughs> let's go ahead and get back into some of this hierarchy because there's a lot of stuff here. Why don't you go ahead and choose one of the hierarchies or classifications that you like uh, from any of the groups that we have and just let's just go through them a bit. Well, one of the first ones that I have notes on here is uh, the the seraphim, and they're also known as the flaming ones in the Bible. I believe it it does call them that, correct? Call them the burning ones, but no, yeah, more or less same, flaming, same, burning, whichever yeah, sort of thing. Uh, and they they fall under the order of the of the powers. Um, they specialize in revenge, justice issues, and the defeating of one's enemies the teaching of astrology, the healing arts, and divination. They specialize in guarding things and in defense, both here and on the astral plane, and they are of the element of fire. Um, another, they're in the same tier, but uh, the Order of the Cherubim uh, specializes in foretelling the past, present, and future. They can assist one in astral projection, assess, assessing past lives and looking into the future they have knowledge and rulership over the fixed stars so as you can already see um just coming from a biblical standpoint the different things that are preached in the bible not to take part of these particular demons uh have reign over Mm -hmm. these different areas uh what are some of the ones that you came across for the descriptions? Yeah, well, I, I actually want to stay in this, this first hierarchy here, okay. Seraphim and Cherubim, uh, which also includes thrones in this mm-hmm. first hierarchy right. that you're talking about. Uh, and so I want to name some of these uh, demons and kind of what they do uh, based on the Michaelis classifications. I really like the Michaelis classifications. Uh, I think it's one of the more interesting ones, uh, more most uh, descriptive ones. Okay. Uh, there's a couple others that I like too, which we'll get into later, but I think this one is the most descriptive. Uh, so real quick, just a little bit of breakdown of the Michaelis' uh, book. Uh, it, again, it was written in, in uh, 1613, and it's called Ad- Admirable History. Uh, which included the classifications of demons uh, as it was told by the demon Bareth, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, when he was exercising a nun. Uh, the classifications are based on the pseudo-Dionysian uh, hierarchies according to the sins that the devil, according to the sins the devil tempts one to commit, uh, and includes the demon's adversaries as well, as I mentioned earlier, basically meaning the different saints. Uh, so this is where this comes from, this information, because in this particular book, I'm sure it's out there somewhere for anyone who wanted to buy that book, uh, Admirable History. Uh, I'm sure we can look it up for you guys if you really want. So just hit us up, email, message, whatever. Uh, but anyway, so this first hierarchy includes, again, the Seraphim, the Cherubim, and the Thrones. And the very first name, which is probably one of the most famous and infamous names in the Bible, in particular in the New Testament, and that is the name of Beelzebub. Uh, now, in Christian theology, there are three names mentioned within the Bible that some have considered to be all in one of the same entity. Uh, Beelzebub, Satan, Lucifer, 
all three of those entities are the same entity. They're all loose of Satan. They're the devil, basically. Uh, some have even said that Legion is too. Uh, Legion, that, that's something different, I believe, because uh, Legion simply isn't the name of an entity, but the idea or the name of a group of entities. Uh, so pretty much any person who's possessed by more than one demon would have a legion in them. Right. Uh, and that's legions the one, we can get into in a little bit because that's part of the hierarchies as well. That's one line from the Bible that always has stuck with me. We are called legion because, because we are many. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's right there. It's it's right. Like, <laughs> it defines itself. The demons define it themselves for you. So there, there's one thing that everybody has learned from a demon, which is crazy. Anyway, <laughs> so Beelzebub, the first one, uh, he was a prince of the Seraphim, according to the Michaelist classifications, uh, just below Lucifer. Uh, Beelzebub, along with Lucifer and Leviathan, were the first three angels to fall, and it is said that he tempts men with pride. Uh, the second one is Leviathan. Again, we've talked about this just a little bit ago. Leviathan, I think, again, very clearly is an animal that was mentioned in the Bible, but also there's obvious references to other demonic entities, even Lucifer, especially himself or Satan. But uh, nonetheless, Leviathan here is a demonic entity, and he also was a prince of the seraphim who tempts people to give into heresy. The third one is Asmodeus. Uh, he was also, again, a prince of the seraphim, and Asmodeus is considered to be burning with the desire to tempt men into wantonness. And for those of you who don't know what wantonness is, because I know Justin and I, well, we were like, <laughs> he gives them in the Chinese food? Like, what? <laughs> but wantonness actually means self-indulgence, trifling, or flirtation, uh, and also a lewd or pamperous person. So he basically leads people into those specific categories. So that's why... It explains why I feel so bad when I eat wontons because they're fattening and I feel bad because I'm being a glutton and self-indulging. Uh, there, there you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Bereth, the fourth in the first hierarchy of Michaelis' classifications, was a prince of the cherubim. So now we've stepped down a small ladder here. Uh, he tempts men to commit homicide and to be quarrelsome, contentious, and blasphemous. Uh, Astaroth was a prince of the thrones. Uh, he tempts men to be lazy. Varin was also a prince of the thrones, uh, just below Astaroth, and he tempts men with impatience. The last two are Gressel. Uh, this one was a third prince of the thrones. Uh, he tempts men with impurity. And the last one is Sunilan, which is the fourth prince or a fourth, fourth prince of thrones, and he tempts men to hate. Uh, and for those of you who are politically correct, I don't mean to be an a-hole, but <laughs> this doesn't necessarily mean men only, so men or women to hate or this or that. Yeah, I, unfortunately, <laughs> even in the Bible, but in a lot of the older texts, it would always say men because it was always thought that men were above women, but it meant both. Right, um, it meant both. It was often referred to uh, as men because of Adam. Right. Uh, Adam right. was the first. Man was the first. Uh, and, and based on what God had written in which – and that's the thing that people don't understand. You know, they they try to cut down the Bible because of what it says regarding Adam and Eve, how evil submit to her husband. And immediately 
some women will think, well, that's just, you know, a horrible thing. But God never, it, when you read the scriptures and you understand the theology behind it and all that, you realize that God doesn't actually mean that women should submit completely, like, submit themselves as if they're lesser. Right. Uh, it, it's when they're married that they should submit to their husbands in certain areas uh, because he should be the stronger. He should be the one that provides. And that doesn't mean that women can't provide for their husbands or anything like that either. Uh, this is just the way things were back then. Uh, and it has nothing to do uh, with male or female. It's, it's nothing biased against uh, women or anything like that. So it's just things that people really need to do some research about before starting to cut apart the Bible because of something like that. Uh, but anyway, well, one thing that the... um, I wanted you to uh, give a description or kind of like a definition, because I honestly don't know the difference. Uh, what in in the first hierarchy, why is it called thrones? What what does that mean in, in the hierarchy of, of demons? All right. So according to the New Testament, uh, these particular celestial beings are among those orders at the Christ, uh, at Christ's service. Uh, which basically means that they are carriers of the throne of God, hence the name. Okay. Uh, so this might mean, for example, that they may actually literally carry God on his throne. Like, you know, you've seen in the old uh, Roman Empire and stuff like that. You see the person on the throne and you have people underneath carrying it. Um, but often, you know, we, we see through the scriptures that thrones of God are usually depicted as being moved by wheels. Uh, we see that in a vision in Daniel 7, 9. Uh, however, it, it's important to note that thrones, because it's also mentioned in the book of Ephesians, depending on which version you read, thrones is mentioned in there as being one of the things that you have to be careful of because there are thrones in the demonic realms as well. Uh, but thrones are a distinct form of celestial spiritual being, usually portrayed as adoring elderly men uh, using Christian scripture. Thrones are, you know, basically an, an angelic being, very much like cherubs, uh, and they are said to be great wheels covered in eyes. And you can actually see pictures of that if you look it up, because often God is the or the throne is depicted as having wheels, and we see that both in, as I said, Daniel, but also we see it in Ezekiel, uh, but that they're covered in eyes, and that simply suggests that I think that these are some type of angelic creatures that help in carrying God's throne to and from his realm to ours, uh, from heaven to earth. So that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the reason I, I asked you to do that, because when most people think of a throne, you know, they think of a throne, somebody who is a king, queen, some type of uh, human hierarchy person sitting on a throne compared to like, if you're talking about a spiritual being, what does that mean? Thrones? Because a throne is a piece of furniture. Right. No, I understand completely. Um, actually, let me read this. Cause I actually just came across this as you were talking. And this is actually by Rosemary, uh, Ellen Gulley, uh, which is someone that we've had on the show, not this show, but we've had on in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wrote the thrones also known as Ophenum, uh, and Gelgelin are creatures that function as the actual chariots of God driven by the cherubs. They are characterized by peace and submission. God rests upon them. Thrones are depicted as great wheels containing many eyes, 
and reside in the area of the cosmos where material form begins to take shape. They chant glorious uh, to God and remain forever in his presence. They meet out divine justice and maintain the cosmic harmony of all universal laws. So that that's what Rosemary had written. And she, I'm sure it doesn't actually state which book that this is from, but my guess is that it's from the Encyclopedia of Angels uh, that she had written. Okay. Uh, it says it is 1996, page 37, and I happen to know that the Encyclopedia of Angels that she wrote was published in 1996. So uh, there you have it. That's don't know if that's necessarily fully true. I know part of it is true because you can see in the Bible that they have many eyes and that they often are depicted with wings, but hence look like wheels. So, yeah, well, it's it's interesting to to hear the different depictions. Um, and hopefully we can we can get her on to talk about this stuff too because it would be interesting to hear it from just her own words, not just something that she's written. Uh, right, but. Uh, Let's go into the the second hierarchy, which is powers, dominions, and virtues. As far as I came across, is that the same that you came across? Yes. Okay. So we've got uh, the different uh, classifications there. Um, some of the stuff that the names that I came across rather uh, were again. These are all about the princes of it doesn't go into the the lower demons of these different classifications but um car karu uh who was a prince of powers he tempts men with hardness of heart uh carnival uh another prince of powers tempts men to obscenity and shamelessness maybe that's why i cuss so much <laughs> Oyelet uh, was a prince of dominions. He tempts men to break the vow of poverty. Uh, Rosier was in the second order of dominions. He tempts men against sexual purity. And Elias, who was the prince of virtues, uh, tempts men with arrogance and women to be vain, raise their children as wantons, and gossip during mass. And maybe, I don't know if you have a different uh, idea on this or anything, but maybe he just lists the prince because they are the more powerful, do you think? I don't know if it's so much that they're the more powerful, but they are, I mean, they they could be, they very well could be, but I think it's because they're the leaders. Uh, You know, often when it comes to in anywhere in life, really, like, for example, just work, for example, uh, the boss, he's the one who should be taking the blame from whoever's above him. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone who works under him is doing their job because of him. And if they do it wrong, it's because of whoever their boss is, because they haven't showed him enough or talk enough or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. So in this case, because they're princes and they're the leaders of their particular hierarchy or their legion or, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, they themselves are the one who give out or send out their lesser demons or the ones below them, the angels, uh, to go out and do some of these things. Uh, so 
what was what is it called? Uh, Carnival, you said was his name, right? Carnival, yep. Carnival, Carnival, something like that. He tempts man to obscenity and shamelessness, and it would, to me, would suggest that since he's a prince of powers or one of the princes of powers, he also would send out his demons that are under him to go out and tempt men in the same in way. The same way, yeah. Uh, so I think that's really what they're doing instead of going through every single name, because anyone who any creature that's below Carnival is likely going to have a very similar description for the temptation that it creates. Well, uh, um, some of the things that you've seen in different movies and, and different uh, writings as well is a lot of the lesser demons use the higher names of power. Like, for example, most of the mm-hmm. time if you come across a someone who's possessed, I, I've never come across anybody, so I can't say personally, but in the different writings that I've seen in, in different movies, they always say that they're Satan, that they're Lucifer, because right. who's who's more badass than Satan and who who would have more power to possess somebody than the, the grandest right. demon of them all? Exactly. Well, and on top of that, you got to remember the hierarchy. And the one thing you have to remember is anything that someone lesser in a hierarchy is doing, that power or that uh, particular whatever it is goes to the one who's in power. Uh, For here's a here's a decent example. Uh, When you're watching the award shows, how many times do we see directors in movies getting, you know, all the great stuff for their movies or the producers? But there's so many people underneath them who are never mentioned. But they have to give their power, you know, what they do up to the, up to the one who's in power or in charge. Uh, you know, so it, it's definitely a totem pole and whoever's on the lower side of it has to look up and give onto them the ones that are above them. Uh, and so I think that's really what happens here when we see or hear about demonic entities possessing someone and then mention, Oh, you know, I am Lucifer or I am Beelzebub because they give that power to those entities. Yeah, it's just interesting to to think about it too because, like I said, you you see princes, but you know there's a bunch of peons underneath. It's just interesting to see that they only mention the princes. But um, why don't you get into the the third hierarchy? Yeah, so the third hierarchy includes principalities, archangels, and angels. Uh, you know, many people believe that archangels are one of the most powerful of creatures, and they are. They very much are. Uh, many times it, it would refer to archangels as being warriors. Uh, some believe that both uh, Michael is an archangel. That's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, but some believe that Gabriel is also an archangel. Uh, they've also mentioned Raphael and Uriel as archangels. Uh, and these are angels that happen to deal with war or happen to uh, spend a lot of time on Earth. Uh, protecting people and stuff like that. Uh, but it doesn't mean they're any less weak. You know, it's something that's important to remember because, like, for example, the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, even though they're the highest, doesn't mean that they're the most powerful either. Mm. You know, uh, seraphim, known as the burning ones, are known as the burning ones because they stand in front of God all day praising his name. Uh, and it's because that they're standing right in front of him, his light is literally, in a sense, burning them which is why they're called the burning ones. Uh, but they don't do anything else other than that. So to think they would come down and fight, you know, and have that kind of strength is vastly different. They do have power, but I don't, you know, all these powers are different, obviously. I think. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, 
the third hierarchy, principalities, archangels, and angels. The very first one is Alavier, uh, who was the prince of archangels, or at least a prince of archangels. He tempts men with cruelty and mercilessness uh, toward the poor. Toward the poor. Okay. Uh, Louvart was a prince of angels. Uh, at the time of Michaelis' writing, of course, Louvart was believed to be in the body of a sister, Madeline. What does that got to do with anything? <laughs> Maybe just to show that he was able to possess and, and he had taken over somebody's body at, at that, that point. That and that's how be. he got I mean, the information, maybe. That could be it. I mean, that, that's, there you go. Maybe it's, it has the power of possession, but. Well, I mean, if you think about it, uh, if Louvart had possessed Sister Madeline, maybe that's how, uh, Michaelis got his, his information from, uh, about this particular, uh, prince as well as the, the fallen angels under him. You know what I mean? Maybe he was asking this demon through Sister Madeline about these different things. Right. All right. Uh, the last one is Verrier, uh, who was the Prince of uh, Principalities. Try to say that five times fast. Prince <laughs> of Principalities. Uh, he tempts men against the vow of obedience. Uh, now, again, this is just one version of the hierarchy. Uh, again, this is by Michaelis's, uh This is Michaelis's classification, as mentioned in the book of Admirable History. Uh, but some of these entities within the hierarchy are also named and ranked in other books as well, such as the Sabbath litanies of witches um, and Colin de Plancy's dictionary infernal. Uh, so th- these are things you got to remember that some of these classifications are being taken from other sources as well, as we have with most of these books regarding the paranormal. Uh, you take things from different areas, you learn, you you apply, and then you adapt. Um, but again, this, none of this means necessarily that this is true. You know, this can all very well just be one-sided, you know, what someone believes. And I think a strong example of that is Beelzebub, because in McAllis's version of the hierarchy, Beelzebub is simply a, a demonic entity that tempts men with pride. However, if you look down at Barrett's classifications, he classifies Beelzebub as uh, someone who gives into people or uh, gives people the desire to give into false gods and makes them idolaters. So we're seeing a couple of vastly different, you know, descriptions here for Beelzebub, uh, and it, it, I think it's fair to say that Beelzebub could do all of those things. Uh, but then again, how are we to really know? Right. Well, and. Some, some names that, uh, are also associated with Satan, uh, that are said to be names of demons as well is Beelzebub. Uh, I've heard Belial, also known as Mm -hmm. Satan. Uh, some have said that Asmodeus is actually Satan. Um, Mm -hmm. some have said that Satan is actually Satan. Uh, which makes sense. (laughs) And, uh, I've also heard, uh, Mammon. Okay. Associated with the name of Satan. So it's interesting that it's also broken down into names of demons, even though you've seen them coupled 
together with the same name of of the king of of demons, if you will, Satan. So, um, I think this is a good point to uh, take our break, so that way we can get into kind of our own opinions on this. Um, folks, you've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We've been talking about demons and demonology. We will be right back after this break. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Hey, Pear fans. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash Truth, where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome back to Truth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And if you're just joining us, shame on you because you've missed everything. <laughs> uh, maybe not everything. We have another almost half of a show to go here. But the, the, there's a lot of interesting things that we've talked about here regarding the hierarchy of demons. Uh, we named a bunch of demons uh, or supposed demons and their attributes or what they do uh, for a living, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's some work. Yeah. Um, but there are many other classifications uh, throughout history and throughout different uh, dedications and stuff that people have written. And as such, there are some interesting things that are mentioned other than simply demonic names. Uh, for example, uh, Spina's, I think it's Spina or Spina's classification of demons. I don't know if you've seen this or not, Justin. Yeah, I, I saw uh, it was written in, in 1467. And it has a completely different classification. And this is more of a, more of just a classification as opposed to a hierarchy. Mm. So instead of just demons, we're looking at demons of fate in particular, goblins, incubi and succubi, which we've talked about in the past, yeah. uh, wandering groups of armies of demons. Don't know exactly what that is. Familiars, druids, cambions, which we talked about in the past. They're basically, uh, a type of demon that is born from the union of a demon with a human being, basically what the Nephilim were. Well, uh, it, it kind of more associates with the incubus and succubus compared to what we see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the liar and mischievous demons, uh, demons that attack the saints, and demons that try to induce old women to, adet- to attend witches' Sabbaths. Hmm. Uh, obviously, this was obviously written in 1467 if the last one is... Demons that try to induce right. a woman into attending, which, I mean, that's so, <laughs> oh my gosh. I know a lot of people that have a problem with that. Well, and, um, <laughs> you know, we had also, just before doing the show, came across the book that King James I wrote called Daemonology. Daemonology in the form of a dialogue divided into three books. And it's kind of interesting to see that he wrote a, a book called Daemonology, which if you truly 
realize that it's all also means demonology because daemon comes from the Greek word right. daemon, which it's basically the turned into demon. Old English version of demonology since it was written in 1591. Right. But it was interesting that he wrote a book on demonology, but also was a translation of the Bible as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that was, it wasn't long before that either. Cause, uh, uh, one of the most famous, and I think it wasn't the first, I can't remember, was the 1611, uh, issued version of the King James Bible, uh, which I have. And it's a very great version for any of you who, who are interested in the 1611. It has a majority of the Apocrypha within it as well, which is always a cool thing to have on hand. Um, but did, did you want to mention some, like his small classifications that he put in to that? Oh, I didn't, even, book? I didn't even look that up, but if you have that, oh, you yeah, look absolutely. Up? I'll take care. Did you, I could do it real quick. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, so he actually breaks them down just to three, into three spirits. Uh, we have the spectra, uh, which is used to describe spirits that trouble houses or solitary spaces. Uh, attachment, I'm sorry, there's four. Attachment, which is used to describe the spirit upon certain people to outwardly trouble them at various times of the day. Uh, possession, of course, I think this is pretty explanatory there, uh, but is used to describe spirits that enter inwardly into a person to trouble them. And then finally, fairies, used to describe spirits that prophesy, consort, and transport. I could not finish that without that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Spectra, attachment, possession, and fairies are the basic breakdown classification for the King James uh, book, Demonology, which was first sold in 1591. Um, and it just goes on and on. There's so many different classifications that you could look at. But I know one thing that you probably wanted to get into a little bit, just real quick before we could start getting into the end of the show here, is the key of Solomon. Uh, because the lesser key of Solomon in particular, the Goetia, mm. and wrote, it's Goetia, right? Yeah. Goetia, yes. The Goetia, uh, has a vast list of demonic entities, uh, 72 in particular, which he supposedly, uh, had summoned. Uh, and we talked about this last, last week, I think. Uh, so, again, I don't believe he necessarily, I don't know if he necessarily summoned them because the book, was written so many years later after right. his death. Um, but again, 72 different demons is a class of, that are classified in there. And it, again, gives a description of the demonic entity. Uh, depending on the version, you might have even uh, images in there to help with the descriptions of what they look like. Uh, then it gives you a description of what they do and then tells you how many demons are underneath them, You know how many they lead. Uh, which is very interesting. It also, of course, has seals or amulets that are associated uh, with the demon as well. Yeah, just one I wanted to bring up in particular because it, it it struck me because we've done something that I thought of when I saw it, and it it's called Ose or Voso. And mm-hmm. the first thing I thought of when I saw this was Zozo. Um, and it, just to read the description here, it says, 57 spirit is Oso, Ose, or Voso. He's a great president and a, appeareth like a leopard at the first, but after a little time, he putteth on the shape of a man. He, uh, His office is to make one cunning in the liberal sciences and to give true answers of divine and secret things. 
also to change a man into any shape that the exorcist pleaseth, so that he that is so changed will not think any other thing than that he is in variety that creature or thing he is changed into. In other words, it's it's a lot of kind of older English. If you're changed into the creature, you will think like the creature is is pretty much how that sums up. But I don't know why my my mind went to Zozo right away when I saw that name, but it when I saw Voso, I'm like, interesting, because we covered Zozo, and mm-hmm. it's kind of vaguely a similar name to that to that demon. So it was interesting yeah. to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who are just joining us for the first time or maybe the second time uh, ever, uh, you should check out the Zozo episode. Yep. Uh, I forget what number it is, but if you just go to our website or I think it'd be better even to go to Spreaker possibly, Spreaker, uh, it might be yeah. easier to find it. Um, just look up the Zozo uh, episode. I think you'll really like it. We've had, uh, it's probably one of our largest uh, rated shows. Uh, so very interesting topic, that Zozo demon. Yeah. Um, one of the most commented on as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he definitely has its name known now. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there you have it. You know, these, these are just some of the hierarchies and classifications of demons. And again, there are many, many more. We can literally do an entire, uh, podcast just on the hierarchy of demons, really, uh, and spend a couple of years doing this because there's so much information depending on, you know, where you're at. Um, it's, there's, there's a lot of interesting things. Here's, Heck, even the Satanic Bible has a small hierarchy, you know, that they put right. out, uh, which is just weird. But well, there you go, folks. <laughs> even, yeah, even the Satanists have the, their hierarchy of demons. <laughs> well, so going into our kind of our opinions on this, you know, in the in the Bible, I don't believe there's really that many names of demons. You, we had mentioned Legion because they specifically say they're possessing a man and they say we are called Legion because we are many. That doesn't mean that's the name of a specific demon. It's just, it's a Legion of demons in them. So they just say, just call us Legion because you know, there would be too many names to try and bring up if you're going to try and do anything. Um, yeah. I bl- is Beelzebub in the Bible. Yes. Okay, so they mention Beelzebub, and then they they mention Satan several times, and a lot of people believe that Lucifer is is also Satan, but there are some that believe that Lucifer was actually a person, a, a tyrannical king, as we said last week, compared to um, actually Satan himself. So uh, mm-hmm. is there any names that I'm missing that are in the Bible? We thought you said Legion, Beelzebub, Satan, Lucifer, or Satan. I mean, Lucifer is another one if you consider that. But you know, it's weird because some will claim that uh, Lucifer may not actually be the name of Satan, though I think he's taken on that name by now. If it wasn't, right? Um, But the name Lucifer was mentioned by Isaiah in the Book of Isaiah, Uh, and that's particularly written in the King James version. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's his name. Uh, 
But nonetheless, you know, I mean, again, there's so many different beliefs as to what Lucifer actually is or what it means. I think it's his name. Uh, I think it's very clear of that. Um, but either way, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, well, other than that, the reason I was, uh, I was getting into that is pretty much you, you get most of these names from other texts for the most part. Um, do you believe that we, these people assigned these demons to these different hierarchies, uh, or, or do you think that, um, like, for example, you know, they, they gave the prince of thrones, whatever, and said what they kind of reside over. Do you think that demons actually use this hierarchy or do you think that, uh, demons as a whole can affect any type of these situations in, in human nature? Uh, I mean, I think overall they can, they can affect in any way whatsoever. I think they have that power and that ability. I think they kind of cross, you know, okay. cross each other in those occasions. But nonetheless, I, I think there strongly is a hierarchy. I think it's clear that there's a hierarchy, uh, based on scripture alone. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think there are certain things that, uh, some demons do others that others don't and then vice versa. So, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there are some that'll just, you know, um, I was actually just looking at, there's two names here that are mentioned in the Bible that could be demonic entities as well. Okay. So another, now this is up in the air. Well, this first one, actually, uh, Molech is, is a name. Uh, it, it's mentioned in both Leviticus 18.21 and 1 Kings 11.7. I'm going to just read these real quick. 18.21 says, you should not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. And then in 1 Kings 11.7 it says, then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, uh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. Uh, and I think it's very clear that when you read through the Old Testament in particular, God mentions a number of different entities by name. Uh, Ra being a sun god is one of them, uh, in, in Egyptian culture, uh, and then a bunch of others as well. Mm-hmm. So I think any time he mentions a false god, it very well could be a literal demonic entity that he's referring to, something that people began worshiping. Uh, it could also very well just be a, a made up, you know, figure that that they're idolizing a piece of wood. You know, often God says uh, that he's going to burn down their Asher poles and cut down their, their temp or they're not temples, their uh, uh, shrines uh, and their wooden objects that they worship. Uh, so it's hard to say exactly, but nonetheless he names them and he could be naming them because they're actual entities or he could be naming them because that's what people call them. Uh, and, and another one real quick like is you had mentioned Abaddon. with Lucifer. Th- I mean, they can be literal people that were maybe kings as well that people decided to worship Absolutely. because of they were Absolutely. kings. Yep. Uh, another one is Abaddon or Apollyon, which I don't know if it's hard to say if this is really a demonic entity or just an angelic creature or an angel. Because in Revelation 9-11, it says, 
they have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. I think this is definitely a demonic entity, which is mentioned in Revelation 9-11. But again, here, when it comes to demons, God himself, Jesus himself, calls it an angel, uh, which kind of goes into this whole idea of demonic entities being fallen angels Mm -hmm. in one hierarchy or the other. So that's pretty much all we got for demons in the Bible. But uh, when it comes to all of these things as a whole, this entire hierarchy or just the idea of demonic entities and their names and the classifications, do you find any of this to be like suitable for you, maybe trustworthy, or is it something that you kind of take with a grain of salt and just, you know, not worry too much about it? Um, you know, when, when I think of angels and demons, I, you know, I think armies. Uh, so in a sense there, there must be some type of hierarchy, uh, us as humans defining the hierarchy. I don't, I don't necessarily believe in that because what we define as the hierarchy could be completely different than what's on, on the spiritual plane of existence that demons and and angels actually follow. So I, I think we're, we're giving a definition to something that we can't even understand and we might possibly even be wrong on that fact. But like I said, you know, when you think of angels, demons, when, especially if you're reading the Bible, you, you, you think of, um, army because in the, the end times, that's who is basically fighting other than Jesus and, you know, the, the other people that are mentioned in revelations. But, um, yeah, I, I feel that there, there is, some type of hierarchy, obviously, if it's an army, but what our definition is of that could be completely separated from that. What do you think? Um, yeah, I agree with you, and I, I kind of take it all with a grain of salt, um, mostly because in order to like, like historically, I think this is great stuff. I love reading this stuff, and I love uh, I just kind of associating myself with with these names and the ideas of what they do. But in the long run, in the scheme of things, uh, the hierarchies and demonology in general tend to uh, have been built for exorcists and for people who are looking to oh. uh, cast out demons even. It, Just to look for and, that name and that sort of a thing. Right. Um, but the thing is, there's nothing biblical whatsoever in regards to needing to know the name of a demon uh, before casting it out. Um now, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus had asked a name before once, once, um, and we only see it once. Uh, but the idea of using saints to oppose demons uh, and hence be able to cast them out doesn't make sense to me because the saints didn't need to call upon anyone either. And there were people who weren't saints, people who weren't even apostles casting out demons at the same time uh, that Jesus was alive and Jesus let them do it and they were efficient and effective. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's very clear based on the New Testament that for those who, and I'm not saying you should get yourself involved unless you're very well practiced, or at least understand, you know, demonic entities, um, casting out a demon should be something that is called upon by you know, through Jesus, as opposed to calling on some entity or trying to cast it out just alone. Uh, there's a much different 
there's so many different ways out there that, it, you know, different religions or faiths uh, have claimed to cast out demons. But well, the, the I don't think we yeah. even defined the I mean, other than to find out the the name of the saint that uh, opposes the demon that is supposedly uh, doing the possession. A lot of people believe that you also get the name because if you have the name, you have power over it. Right. And um, I think that I think that is kind of a um, ignorant thing to think of because just for example, just because I say I have Eric's name, just because I call, say Eric, get up, doesn't mean he's gonna get <laughs> get up off the seat and do what I say he's to to do. So in the same sense, a demon, even though it it may make you think it's doing what you're wanting it to by leaving quote unquote the vessel, it, it's not necessarily leaving its uh or detaching its tethers if you will from that person right so i i think that uh a lot of this stuff is a lot of food for thought for you guys um i definitely get in contact with us cuz like again we may have not come across stuff that you guys have come across and we would love to hear your guys thoughts and opinions on it um so any other final thoughts on this before we wrap it up tonight? Um, just for, for anyone who is interested in researching de- uh, uh, either the hierarchy of the classifications or just demonology in general, uh, be very careful. This is something that I have personal experience with uh, when I was researching uh, demonology before being a Christian, before understanding anything about demons, and it had very negative results. Um, and, and so just be very cautious of what you're doing. Uh, I would say pray before doing so if you want to, uh, or ask God if it's something that he would want you to do or allow you to do. Uh, just be very cautious. I think that's the most important thing because when it comes to bionic entities, they're going to find any little tiny doorway or crack to slip through in order to, you know, get that door open. Uh, and it's not hard to open a door, uh, for, for these entities. So, just be very careful and think before acting when it comes to researching. So, but other than that, got nothing else. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that has been the third installment in the Paracode Angels and Demons season four. Uh, I hope you guys love it. Uh, definitely comment, like, share, subscribe, wherever you're at. Um, you know, we're on a bunch of different networks on now, so check all those out and, uh, make sure you check out Paratruth Radio. Make sure you take, check out our Patreon account, uh, and check out our T Public page as well, because there's a lot of great t-shirts on there, which can be other, uh, types of memorabilia as well. So on that note, folks, until next week where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric.
Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.